українське незалежне радіо. Can the West stop Vladimir Putin from invading Ukraine? What strategic interest does the United States have in this former Soviet Republic? Tonight, I discuss the current showdown between Russia and the West over Ukraine and why it matters to America. I'm Dan Terlecki, and this is Ukraine Watch. Good evening. Why should Americans care about Ukrainian democracy? There is no question that the American public is weary of war. Over the last 20 years, thousands of American young men and women have been injured or killed in Afghanistan. Hundreds of thousands have come home with PTSD. Americans may be asking the question, why should we risk American lives to protect a country thousands of miles away? The answer seems to be, we won't. The Biden administration has already made it clear the United States does not intend to send American forces to Ukraine to confront the Russians should they invade. However, this politically divisive time in American history, consequential politicians on both sides of the aisle are unified in their view that should Vladimir Putin's dangerous gambit escalate to an all-out invasion of Ukraine, Russia should face crippling sanctions. Also, Along with other European allies, the U.S. government has made significant efforts in arming the Ukrainians. We may see the largest conflict in European soil since World War II. For this reason, certainly, Ukraine matters. If the United States were to surrender to Vladimir Putin's demands and roll back NATO and abandon Ukraine, the fallout would not just be limited to the destruction of Europe's largest country, and over 44 million people falling under authoritarian rule. It would be much greater than that. Detractors argue that simply protecting democracy in a foreign country may not be enough to justify the United States focusing a significant part of its defense apparatus on helping Ukraine. But what's at stake here is not just one foreign country's democratic government and the lives of millions of citizens. Ukraine is the front line, and it's a vital contributor to Europe's defense architecture, aimed at deterring Vladimir Putin's aggression and preventing war between Russia and the West, including the United States. Although Ukraine is not a NATO country, and therefore the United States is not obligated to defend it from invasion pursuant to the NATO treaty, American soldiers would be called up to step in on behalf of NATO members, countries like Poland, for example, that border Ukraine, should the conflict spill over further west. The foreign minister of Lithuania recently told CNN, quote, when we talk about the possibility of war in Ukraine, we have to understand, especially those in Europe or in the broader west, that it's not just a war against Ukraine. The war of Europe will be fought in Ukraine. He went on to say, in every country's interests, it's in every country's interest to support Ukraine so that it can fight off a possible invasion that would be on, Europe, on the European border. That Russian forces could occupy territory or be engaged in an ongoing conflict right on NATO's border is, of course, a great national security concern for Europe. But it matters to the United States as well. Because should the conflict spread further, into Poland, for example, NATO would be directly tested 
because that country could invoke NATO's famous Article 5, requiring other alliance members to protect one another if one is the victim of the attack. Although Russian military forces surpassed that of Ukraine, its ability to defend itself has significantly increased since Putin annexed Crimea in 2014. This includes numerous war-hardened battalions that have been successful in containing Russian forces in the Donbas for eight years now. Surrounding Kyiv is one thing, but maintaining an occupation in a country roughly the size of Texas with a population that is extremely hostile to Moscow is entirely another. This will not be an easy war for Russia. The risk of great war is indeed real. This is precisely why officials in non-NATO countries like Finland have signaled that Russian attack on Ukraine would provoke a discussion in countries like Finland and Sweden regarding future NATO membership. Europe certainly takes that threat of Russian aggression seriously. The reason for this is clear. After all, a non-NATO member would consider joining the alliance because of the expectation that other NATO members, including the United States, will assist it, as well as any other allies. Georgia and Ukraine understand this reality all too well. Both sought membership as their governments began moving for, further from Moscow's sphere of influence, and both found themselves victims of Russian invasion. Strategically, Ukraine is a buffer between Putin's authoritarian regime and the West. And until recently, the same could be said of Ukraine's neighbor to the north, Belarus. Even though, like Russia, Belarus is a brutal dictatorship, there was an expectation in the West that its strongman president, Lukashenko, would not allow Belarus to be used to attack another country. However, most likely in part as an effort to, to preserve his own power, Lukashenko has allowed Belarus to de facto be taken over by the Kremlin, and he has endeavored to help Putin in his efforts to try and destabilize the West. The consequences of this shift have been serious. Last summer, Lukashenko orchestrated a migrant crisis on his border with the EU, pushing an influx of tens of thousands of immigrants from other parts of the world into Poland. He diverted a passenger plane on its way to Lithuania from Athens in order to arrest a Belarusian opposition activist and journalist, as well as his girlfriend. Last year, as Lukashenko sought re-election for his sixth straight term in office, he faced massive anti-government protests that he suppressed with extreme violence. Now, Belarus has joined Russia in threatening Ukraine and has already participated in a cyber attack against Kyiv. According to Western intelligence, Russia has also poised itself to attack from Belarus. It has already moved thousands of soldiers and equipment into that country near its border with Ukraine. Only a few hours drive from Kyiv. And Lukashenko has started, and Lukashenko has stated Belarusian forces may join the Russians in fighting Ukraine. There are also economic consequences to a Russian invasion of Ukraine. Europe gets 40% of its gas from Russia. It's winter. Gas prices are high. A Russian invasion of Ukraine would also stress global supply chains, feeling the effects of the pandemic. American maritime security experts are also concerned about a possible Russian invasion of the port of Odessa from the Black Sea.
Approximately 80% of Ukraine's trade goes through this port, and it's one of the world's biggest suppliers of wheat and corn. The current standoff has already driven grain prices higher, and a complete shutdown of the port would increase demand from other global suppliers. Although invasion might be imminent, Western diplomats may still be operating under the hope that a Russian invasion of Ukraine is not inevitable as diplomatic efforts continue. However, is it realistic to believe that as long as Vladimir Putin is head of state in the Russian Federation, this threat to Ukraine and the West will remain? The threat of war is not the only thing in Putin's arsenal. A Russian cyber attack last spring created a gas shortage in America's East Coast. Notably, the Russian FSB announced last month in the midst of Russian negotiations with the U.S. over Ukraine that the hackers responsible for the gas pipeline cyber attack were arrested. Why this is important is because the Russian government communicates through its media. Putin's regime exercises total control over Russia's information space. This was clearly a signal to the United States that if Russia gets what it wants, it may stop cyber attacks on American infrastructure. But there's no guarantee that giving in to such blackmail would prevent Russian cyber attacks in the future. After all, a previous Russian cyber attack aimed at Ukraine seemingly unintentionally grew out of control and cost American companies enormous sums of money. Again, What's at stake here is not just about Ukraine. Putin sees a free and democratic Ukraine as a threat to his regime. There's no doubt about that. Not because Ukraine or the West might invade Russia. It won't. No country since joining NATO has invaded or taken territory from any of its neighbors. Russia has, twice. Also, Ukraine is a democracy. In the last 30 years since declaring independence from Moscow, Ukrainians have elected six presidents in competitive elections. No incumbent president has won re-election in Ukraine except one. Despite all the differences, despite all the different types of isms that political scholars have thought up, there are really only two types of organizing principles under which to establish a state, a democratic one, where the government derives its authority from the consent of the government, and a dictatorship, where an individual's rights are meaningless. Ukraine and the West clearly fall within the former camp, whereas there is no mistake, Putin's Russia is far from a free society. This is precisely why democracy in Ukraine threatens Putin's regime. Historically, Russians view Ukrainians and Russians as one nation, although that is certainly not the case. When the Soviet Union fell, a majority of Ukrainians in every part of Ukraine voted for independence in a nationwide referendum that also included Crimea. An independent Ukraine undermines Putin, Putin's legitimacy because if the Russian people see their neighbor, a fellow Slavic country with a vibrant democracy, integrated with Europe, with a strong market-based economy, Putin's regime like the Soviet Union before it, could collapse under the weight of its own contradictions. This is most certainly his fear. 
Mass protests in Ukraine have reformed the government twice since independence. This is the same reason why Putin and Lukashenko brutally repress their domestic opposition. And the same reason why after a recent popular uprising in Kazakhstan, that country's president invited Russian troops into its territory to shut down the protesters. Ukraine, of course, is different, precisely because it is a democracy. Even with its corruption problems. After all, the United States has corruption problems too. This doesn't make it any less of a democracy. A stable Ukraine is also vital to European security. This is why, with the noticed exception of Germany, which would gain to benefit from the recently completed but yet not yet operational Nord Stream 2 pipeline that would send Russian gas directly into Europe through the Baltic Sea, bypassing Ukraine, other European allies have been supporting Kyiv with lethal arms, even Turkey, another NATO member that has joined Europe in this cause. This is also why every American politician of consequence supports NATO, including former President Trump, who near the second half of his tenure said, quote, NATO serves a great purpose, end quote. This is, after all, the reason it's a deterrent for Russian aggression. Putin has famously repeated that the dissolution of the, of the Soviet Union was the greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century. That is nothing compared to what the Russian government is saying now. The leader of Russian's delegations to the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe, Pyotr Tolstoy, has stated openly that Russia aspires to return its frontiers of 1917. This is a direct challenge to the sovereignty of countries like Poland and Finland, which were then part of the Russian Empire. If Russian diplomats are telling the West they have no intention of invading Ukraine, it's important to note that Putin denied Russian forces invading Crimea were formerly his when he annexed it. Then suddenly he said, of course, they were. One of Putin's closest advisors, Vladislav Surkov, recently published an editorial piece in the Russian press where he wrote, Russia will expand, not because it is good, not because it is bad, but because it is physics. And Vladimir Putin himself wrote an article and posted it in Ukrainian and English on the Kremlin's website titled, On the Historical Unity of Russians and Ukrainians. So is there an off-ramp here? For Vladimir Putin, it's total integration of Ukraine and Russia. That's obviously a non-starter. Even if invasion is somehow avoided now, which increasingly seems unlikely, Tensions may not end. It's likely that a less costly war for Putin to meet his objections. It's likely that a less costly way for Putin to meet his objectives in Ukraine is to keep the pressure on, but not actually send in an occupying force. He may hope to push Ukraine to agree to some type of concessions, or as he's done in the past, 
and as U.S. and British intelligence have stated, he may try to install a government in Kiev that's more friendly to Moscow. Of course, any agreement between the United States, Europe, and Russia would necessarily require consent from Ukraine. Whether that includes some type of concessions on Ukraine, NATO integration remains to be seen. Will the West allow the reascent of authoritarian rulers who would deny people their basic human freedoms? Or will the United States and Europe stand against this totalitarian threat and demand to live in a world where liberty and the rule of law prevail? Thank you for joining me tonight. I'm Dan Terlecki, and this is Ukraine Watch. Украинское. Незалежне радіо.